What's up everybody? This week I get to speak about a game sequel which cemented another mascot in the video game pantheon. Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex Strikes Back. That and a whole lot more is to come, because maybe when you bring on an expert, remember how much their voices change before you do and get upset. Welcome to the show. So yeah, that's it. That's what we're going to be doing. Crash Bandicoot 2 Cortex Strikes Back. Hey everybody, hope everybody is doing well on this fine Sunday afternoon. And yeah, my throat is a little uh, funky today because uh, yesterday, as you all know, I took part in a live stream of the ending of Oddworld's Abe's Odyssey. And man, what a playthrough that was. You know, when I did the thing. You remember the thing I did? Yeah, just the thing. And then I did the other thing. And I jumped up and I did the other thing. And I went pew pew and and okay okay as you can tell by the time by my uh, by my little little commentary right there, it hasn't happened in real life yet. But by the time yes by the time you receive this podcast, I should say, it will have happened. And I want to thank everybody who has watched it and has watched us and supported us through that entire playthrough. As you mentioned, you know we've got uh, the next chapter in Abe's series coming up in the new year. So thanks everybody for taking the time you know to watch it. So yeah, as you can tell, I'm uh, flying solo today. Kind of. Uh, what, what we're going to do is I'm going to go ahead and do what I usually do and like talk about this for a little while. And then I'm going to bring upon me uh, somebody who is an expert who can tell me more about this kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, the expert is my 13 year old kid who plays video games for fun. Good thing is, though, he, he doesn't play like all the goofy games that are out there right now. You know, like the Fortnites and stuff like that. He plays um, Mario and Nintendo and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, he's played Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 for the last couple of months, you know. So, yeah. So it's uh, you know it's 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 gonna be fun. We we're gonna have somebody who actually knows what this is like. So um, yeah. So before we get started, guys, check out becausemenetwork.com for more information about what we do and what we are gonna be doing. Also check us out on social media: Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. And of course, if you, this is not where you usually listen to podcasts, check out all of our other podcast places, including Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, and Podchaser. So. Crash Bandicoot 2. Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex Strikes Back, I should say. Now, a lot of people ask me, and I'm, I think I've answered this a couple times, but I'm going to answer it one more time. Why do I always do sequels of video games? If there's a second part, usually, usually, they, um, they've worked out all the kinks that they had, right? And so the second part is usually stronger, and it introduces features that are, you know, prevalent in future gameplay. Like, for example, in Mario series, the second game that they produced as Super Mario introduced certain things that weren't in the original Mario game. That was Super Mario 3, before anybody asks. You know, they introduced the maps, and they introduced going back and forth, and they introduced certain flying power-ups and certain enemies. Uh, Donkey Kong Country probably nailed it the first time, fair enough, but I've talked about things like Road Rash and NBA Jam, and Tekken 2, and Street Fighter 2. They kind of put things in there that, uh, you know, that, that the future games kind of, you know, kind of, kept so that's one of the things i'm talking about here there's a couple of gameplay elements that they kept in crash bandicoot 2 and they added for future future gameplays okay so let's 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 get into it right this is you know crash bandicoot 2 Crodex strikes back as developed by naughty dog and is published by sony computer entertainment of either america or europe depending on which side of the ocean that you were uh this was released on the sony playstation 1 and it was released in north america in uh 
in October of 97 on Halloween. Ooh. And uh, in European shows, uh, the 5th of December 1997. And it sold over 4 million copies worldwide. Now, that was a pretty big deal for a newer system. I mean, look, PlayStation had been around for a couple of years at that point, And, you know, everybody was like, everybody was loving it and so on and so forth. But it wasn't really established, so to speak. Because people were still wanting Sega, Atari, Nintendo, Neo Geo and stuff like that. But, you know, it was a big deal that a Sony game broke out and sold that many copies. So, the original game, Crash Bandicoot, was released in 1996. However, like the Oddworld series, like Abe's Odyssey, Crash 2 was already in development by the time it was released. In fact, before it was released. Um, again, Crash was seen as one of the mascots that Sony wanted to push. You know, they had um, Abe, they wanted to get Spyro the Dragon in, Crash became the next kind of guy that they wanted to promote it as we mentioned mascots include sonic donkey kong alex the kid mario uh, link i almost said zelda there i caught myself uh <laughs> and you know they wanted they wanted crash basically to compete with um the nintendo ones and the sega ones and you can kind of see why they would do that because this game is kind of that old style of platformer it wasn't an adventure game like spyro for example or abe it was more of a platformer 3d platformer you know what we would call platform games from one end of the level to the other end of the level fighting enemies so in the style of mario donkey kong sonic and so on and so forth so you know they wanted to to break into that market because it would have made their their, their console seem more marketable and it and it is a market employee let's, let's face it right but you know when you see nintendo and you see mario you know it's going to be a good quality game because mario is the flagship they wanted something like crash to be that flagship and so, you know, uh, Crash Bandicoot was a huge success, and obviously a sequel was in the works. Well, what happened was, is that instead of, this is what I, this is why I, this is why I always do the second game, instead of resting on their laurels and doing the same thing, they actually developed a whole new game engine for this game, and spent 30 months developing, and so they were, you know, they had a lot of leeway to go about with the style of level, so it wasn't all the same type of levels, they were able to you know, expand upon what they wanted to do. Uh, so they, they had 13 level types, which we'll get to here in a minute. But, uh, you know, they they wanted to do certain things, like do a lot of fog elements and do a lot of just grimy, gnarly type levels. And they had to rewrite a lot of those because uh, other games that came out around about that time were getting bad reviews, so they kind of, you know, nixed that. They also featured the debut of uh, Crash's sister, Coco, in this one, because there was a lot of people in uh, in in Japan and in uh, Korea who were unhappy with uh, Tawana, who was Crash's original assistant in the first film, being, you know, being over-sexualized. Um... We also had Dr. Engine replaces Dr. Embryo, ha ha ha, as uh, Cortex's right-hand man, but basically the rest of the game kind of filtered out in the same type of characters that were in the original, you know, and there's there's a reason for certain things, which we'll get to in a minute. So, the universe is already built, they replaced one character, uh, invented a new character, and tried to rebuild the engine at the same time as keeping many of the original elements in place. So when that was done, you know, it, it, it was, you know, it was released. Basically, the game takes place a year after the original game, okay? And after falling from a spaceship in the original game, Dr. Cortex discovers a glowing crystal in a cave. 
takes it back to his lab. A year later, after building his space lab, he's informed by new assistant, Dr. Enjin, that to harness the power of that crystal, he would need a total of 26. There are 25 here on Earth, and we need somebody to help him. Well, in the in his immortal words, he says, if we can't get a friend to help us, we need an enemy. So he recruits Crash to help. However, by a stroke of luck, Crash finds a gem. And he is confronted by Dr. Embryo, who wants revenge on Cortex, not only for replacing him, but he's become good now. He wants, you know, he wants to to settle his, his conscience. So he wants Cortex to stop gathering the crystals. So basically, this is simple, right? The uh, levels are set up by Dr. Brio, who wants you to collect gems, but he's doing everything in his power to stop you from collecting crystals. And so he's got you in these warp rooms and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's where that's where we've got this going, okay? So, let's talk about the game real quick. The game is leveled format with um, a kind of a, 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 what they call a warp room, which is kind of the hub where you go to the next level, kind of like the map scene. Each hub has five levels and a boss fight. Um, so, there's in reality, there are 27 main levels, two hidden levels, five boss fights, three alternate paths, and one hidden level that um, you have to watch the entire opening cutscene to access, okay? Uh, to complete the game, you've got to complete all 25 standard levels and the remaining two uh, hidden levels to get all of the gems and all of the crystals in the game. Uh, at the beginning of the game, the hidden first level is uh, you basically get an extra Aku Aku and a life. So, you know, you, you just wait for the cutscene to go. Uh, Coco Bandicoot will say, hey, Crash, go get me a battery. He'll jump up, he'll turn around, and you'll get, like, about 24 Wumpa Fruit, uh, an extra life, and the first level of Aku Aku. Uh, you know, to go through this, you have the warp rooms, as I mentioned, and each warp room has a boss in between them. So, like, if you go to the... if you On the first warp room, you complete everything. In between the first and the second, there is a boss fight. In between the second and third is a boss fight, and so on and so forth. But once you complete the boss, you are free to move between the warp rooms, Okay. So to get the crystals, very, very simple. At some point, the crystal will be mid-level, and you just jump at it, and boom, you've got one of the crystals. Nice, simple, straightforward. To get all of the gems, you have to get every single box in every single level. But however, there are, all, there are also... Uh, some levels have more than one gem, and there are alternate ways in which to get it. Uh, for example, there's an alternate path where the gem is out in the open. Um, there are certain levels where you have a timer, where you have to complete the entire level in a certain time period, or else you don't you don't get anything. And then there are some levels where to get the extra gem, you have to collect none of the boxes. So let me reiterate that: you have to collect all of the boxes to get to get at least twenty-five of the gems. But to get some gems, you have to complete the level without getting any boxes. It's very very confusing sometimes, but I mean it's you know at the end of the day, it's very very easy to go about. I mean, it does have also the standard platform game tropes, like, you know, you get 100 Wumpa Fruit, you get an extra life, you've got invisibility, invincibility, excuse me, you got item boxes, you've got crates, you know, and then you've got um, enemy boxes like TNT and Nitro that will kill you when you touch them, and, you know, the standard fare, right, but the difference between this and a lot of the other games is that their default um, orientation, so to speak, is you go up and down the screen. So you start at the bottom of the screen and you work up, and it's like a 3D, 2D, 2.5D plane, whereas like something like Mario, you go left to right, or right to left, this goes up uh, up and down. Now, there are two levels, where you, uh, three levels, excuse me, where you go from the top of the screen to the bottom of the screen, so you can't see what's coming towards you. And of course, a handful of the levels do have left to right in the level, 
but at the same time, it's majority going from uh, down to up, okay? Uh, there are also levels that have zero gravity. The good thing about this game is there are no underwater levels, because that's one of the things that in, in the Mario series and the Donkey Kong series that, you know, there's underwater levels. And I don't like underwater levels for a couple of reasons. Kind of takes my immersion out of it, um, you know, because watching a giant gorilla, uh, <laughs> you know. In fact, in this game, if you enter the water in any way, shape or form, you lose a life. You know, you don't die, you just lose a life. Um and there are certain areas, you know, where you have to uh, hang too. So it's not like, you know, you you are completely only on feet the whole time. You have to use um, jet skis. Uh, you have to hang and, and crawl across mesh. You have to crawl. You have to, you know, bounce through everything. So there is a variety in terms of gameplay. And like I mentioned, there's a jetpack type level in zero gravity. You know, so it's not all standard fare. They just have taken one of the traditional tropes out of it. Which makes for a much, much, in my opinion, a much, much better game. Um, so, like I said, there's only one character you play in this game, and you have, it's Crash Bandicoot. Now, Crash has standard abilities in this game. He can run, he can jump, and he can spin. Now, there are two uh, abilities that came in this game that weren't in the original, and that is, you can slide. So, like, you can go under certain things by sliding, and when you jump in midair you can actually flatten yourself out and flatten boxes underneath you. It's very, very handy when you want to kill an enemy. It's very, very handy when you want to... Uh, there's there's certain crates that are locked up. So it's very, very important that, you know, you, you use everything at your disposal to get through this. And I love the flatten mechanic. I really do, you know. Uh, it used to make me laugh when I just fly in the air and flatten something real, real below me. Uh, you know, that, that was one of my things. I love, like, I love this game. I really do. Um, the good thing is about this, compared to a lot of other games, there's no mounts. So, Crash is Crash. You have to do everything by yourself, which is a great touch, because I think the mount thing was played out at this point. I mean, you got to understand, Mario had Yoshi, Donkey Kong had his uh, his menagerie, even Abe from Oddworld had Elam, you know, which is a, is a different thing altogether. So, this one, you were literally doing it yourself, which is one of the things I liked about it. But uh, this game does have a series of NPCs, uh, Dr. Neocortex, he's the main antagonist of the game, and he's also the final boss, and he, you know, he's trying to help Crash, quote-unquote, help Crash, go through everything that he's got to do. Uh, he, is assist he is assisted by Dr. Engine, who is the second-in-command, and he's actually a, a level boss himself. Um, he, has an, he has an unexploded, an undetonated nuclear bomb in his head, which is weird to look about it, and he kind of speaks with a semi-robotic voice and high-pitched one at that um he, so he's a very very weird character a very very unsettling character not in the uh not in a horror movie kind of way but just in a kind of way you know what i mean uh also in this in this game is dr embryo who is a former assistant of cortex in the original game now he's uh, being let loose and he's looking for revenge on his former boss he kind of acts as a protagonist and an antagonist at the same time he's a secondary antagonist but he is a protagonist should we do what he asks us to do uh he only shows up three times in the game uh the first time is after you find your first gem and then the second time is after you find you the last gem that you do and then finally he shows up in a cutscene where you know you uh you know you destroy cortex's um space station because that's that's basically the, fi the finality of the game and like I said, he is responsible for all the uh, warp room shenanigans that we go through, especially with um, the bosses in between it. So all the bosses that, you know, show up, 
he is responsible for. Uh, and then you have Coco Bandicoot, who shows up, who is uh, Crash's advisor and sister throughout the whole game. Uh, now she spends all her time on, on the computer, on the internet. Uh, I actually lied a second ago because I wasn't lying. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you actually have a mount in this game. And I just spent a minute talking about how they didn't have a mount. But this guy only shows up for four levels. So it's not like Yoshi where you can have him the whole level. Or, you know, Donkey Kong's Menagerie that show up, you know, at least two or three in each world. This is a guy who shows up literally in four levels. And it's it makes sense that they're there. Like, Yoshi showed up in places that didn't need Yoshi. Um, Elam showed up in places that you needed it. So, yeah. While this doesn't necessarily have a lot of mounts, it just has four. And I just realized how stupid I sound. Uh, <laughs> but the original point remains, it doesn't have a constant mount, is what I should have said. Constant mount, like a lot of games did. This is basically four levels, bang, done. And, in fact, of those four levels, he shows up at the very end of the level. So it's technically three and a half levels. So you know um then you have aku aku uh he offers three levels of protection so uh you have two levels in which you know it's just a mask and then another mask uh a gold mask so you hit the gold mask it goes to a normal mask and then you hit the mask and it goes to no protection and then of course the third level is invincibility so uh you know again all of these games had an invisibility type deal so it allows crash to be you know completely and utterly take care of everything uh he you know so yeah that's why he's there now there are some underbosses in this there is uh ripperoo who is a callback from the original game uh he uses tnt and nitro boxes on a on a flat plane so you have to dodge all of those it's not difficult but it's it's slightly challenging to get it right uh you have the komodo brothers which is a pair of uh, komodo dragons who use a spinning dragon attack and scimitars to fight their way through you and if they, if they touch you they're gonna hit you uh tiny tiger uh, this is the hardest one, I think, of, of the bosses. Tiny Tiger. Uh, obviously, he's not tiny. That's, you know, that's the joke. Ha 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 ha. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he'll basically do, like, a platform game. And you have to defeat him. And you have to make sure that you land on the right platform before the platforms, you know, fall into the abyss. you got to do that a couple of times. Uh, Dr. Engine fights you by shooting lasers at you in a giant robot at a platform. And the way to defeat him is you throw Wumpa Fruit at him. That's, you know, that's that's pretty much it and then finally you, you you actually do get to fight cortex and you fight him on a jetpack and you have to attack him before he escapes the space station now i'll get to this here in a minute but uh, this kind of disappointed me a lot a lot because like you play through this whole game and you expect the final boss to be final bossy you know but at the same time these levels weren't as challenging as they could that's the only letdown in this game was the final bosses all the other mini bosses they just weren't uh, worthy of boss-like status. They could have been more difficult. You could have had to hit them more than three times, or they had different attacks, you know? But we'll get to that here in a minute. So let's talk about the levels. Uh, each warp room has a specific theme, which is, you know, um, jungle, ice, uh, sewer, industrial, and space. Uh, but at the same time, every it, it all the levels are in, de in 11 different styles, okay? So you have the jungle levels, which is the main themed levels of the game. It's like, you know, like in a jungle. Uh, the chase levels have the jungles in there, and the night levels have a jungle in there. But basically, it's a jungle environment that you go down. Uh, there's a snow uh, level, where these are basically mainly snow-themed. Uh, most of the enemies consist of penguins, seals, uh, a lot of ice that you slide upon. And, you know, Crash doesn't stand still on the ice. He slowly slides you know so it's a very very one to get your control in working very very well uh then you have stream like levels called river levels uh basically 
they're the same as the first game uh just with more enemies and a little bit better animation uh they also introduced the jet boat for the first time in which crash uses a vehicle to get through the water uh they have chase levels as i mentioned earlier basically a giant snowball or polar bear chases crash there are three of these levels and again they take place in like the jungle regions and these are the levels where you look straight at the screen and run to the screen as opposed to running from the edge of the edge of screen to the top of the screen okay then there are polar levels which i mentioned earlier has the non-mount mount uh <laughs> they're in a snowy themed region region and basically you completely and utterly ride this polar bear so you don't have access to wumper fruit you don't have access to uh any of the things that you would need it's just you controlling this out of control bear cub in fact polar does show up in the second uh warp room and if you spin at him uh, i think it's 10 or 20 times you get uh, 10 extra lives so be nice to your animals, everybody. Uh, <laughs> and then we move to things like sewer levels. These are like very, 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 um, very, very weird. Um, you know, they, they have multiple enemies, multiple types of enemies, uh, multiple paths. You get to hang. You get to fight weird kind of enemies like uh, scrubbers and flying robots and mutated rats. You know, um, there are a lot of these where Crash does do the mesh and he hangs on from them. And he just keeps walking. You know, I, I, I'm I not a fan of the sewer levels. They're the most uh, hardest ones. But, again, I, I think it's uh, it's a good challenge. And then they have ruinous levels, which take place in ancient ruins on thin platforms that always break. Similar to the temple levels from the original game. Uh, there are alpine levels, which uh, you can have digging and stuff like that. There's dynamo levels, which take place in space with robots and mechanics and machination, machinations and stuff like that. Uh, there, there are, excuse me, there are jetpack levels where Crash flies around in a jetpack trying to do everything, which are a pain in the rear to do. And then, of course, there's a night jungle, a night polar area where you need a firefly to see everything that you need to see. So, you know, like most games of the era, like most games around about that time, it's challenging in the sense that it doesn't have a, a traditional uh, sliding scale of difficulty. But this, when you play it, and the better you get at the game, and your reactions get better, and you you know you know, you know better, it kind of challenges up. So the first levels are really, really easy if you know how to play it, and the last levels are more difficult, but once you learn the tips, you know, you can get through it. So it's a very staggered difficulty. Um... The last levels are very, very difficult to do. The uh, extra levels, the bonus levels, as well as the additional um, level, the additional paths in the levels, excuse me, are more challenging than the actual levels. The only thing I didn't like was that the boss fights were weak. I mean, very, very weak. Um, you know, they, they they paused little challenge if you, you know, if you knew how to do them and if you knew how, how the sequences were and everything like that. So it wasn't... I don't know, I wasn't challenged by them, and I wasn't impressed by them. Let's just put it that way. Um, you know, it's... It, it just it just didn't it just didn't do it for me. That's the only criticism I have of this game in terms of that kind of difficulty is that the boss fights were... Eh. They were pretty much easy. On to the next one. Because the way it should be is the levels are not as difficult as the boss fight. Whereas the boss fight should be very, very... Not, not difficult, so to speak, but... You should have more problems with the boss fight than you should in certain parts of the level. And there are a lot of levels where I had more trouble with than the boss fight. So this game obviously has a soundtrack to it. Um, there are 11 levels, so each level type has its own type of sound. Uh, levels with a bonus area have a different remix version of that. And every level that has a hidden area 
has kind of a remixed version of that as well, if that makes sense. Um, so they, they kind of, you know, they, but they also kind of very, very mesh too, right? Like the jungle levels, for example, have, you know, I don't want to say tribal sound of music, but you get, you get what I'm saying. It's got like heavy with with uh, animal noises and drum beats and, and stuff like that. Whereas the jetpack and the dynamo levels have this kind of heroic spacey type feel. The river levels have surf music playing in the background. You know, it's it's that that kind of thing. The more the more calm a Serena set in, if it, the music fits it. But like the only one that didn't fit was the um, the ruin levels. They didn't have kind of a, a specific you know specific style of music that was ruinous. But then again, ruin levels are very very hard to you know what music can you put to a ruin. If you have water, you can put surf music to it. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I understand that. Um, so you know, this is this is a real this is a really good game. I think it's an eight out of ten game myself. Um, again, it did have some problems. Um, my problems with it were, you know, the boss fights, as I mentioned, uh, the premise of the warp room. Kind of, if who who constructed the warp rooms? You know, was it Cortex? If Cortex did, why did he let Brio in to to put bosses in between it? You know, in, in between the first three. Um, there are some inconsistencies. You know, because it's a video game. But, I mean, you know, I remember. I mean, this the, you don't understand. When this game came out, I was, what, 12, 13, 14? This is one of the first games that I had for the, for my PlayStation. And, you know, along with Abe. And, I don't know, I just had a lot of fun playing this game. It, you know, it, I don't say, well, it took me back. But, I mean, at 14 years old, platform... When I was 14, it was around about 97, 98. Platform games were pretty much dead. And this kind of brought me back into it because it was dynamic. It was interesting. It, it had, you know, it, it, it was very, very ambient sounding, if that makes sense. It was very, very, uh, not ambient sounding, immersive sounding. That's the word I'm looking for. Very, very immersive sounding, you know. It, and, and it kind of kept you in the game. It really did. You know, um, I just, I, I played with some of my little brothers. You know, that, that was some of the times that we bonded, so to speak. And, yeah, it was just, I had a lot of fun playing this game growing up. Uh, right now... I mean, I've got the game. I own the game. Uh, that's potentially going to be one of the potential walkthroughs in the future. So, touch wood, I can get to it, get to it after I get through with all the Abe stuff that I got planned to do. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think this is. I think it's a damn good game. I think it's eight out of ten. You know, like I said, the, the boss fights are very, very disappointing. Um, and I think they should have done it slightly differently. Look, there are eleven theme type levels in the game, and there are five theme type warp rooms in the game. So, they kind of went over the top, and see, the thing is, if I go to a snow level, I don't want to go to a nice, warm stream level, if that makes sense. So, I'm in, I'm in a snow warp room, which is the second warp room world, right? It's got ice everywhere, you can see Crash with with his breaths, and then all of a sudden you go into a nice, warm stream level. You know, it just, to me, that didn't make sense. Like, they could have put the ruin levels in there, because they're up on high, and then all the snow level, you know what I mean? So, they, they kind of... Um, it, that, that was kind of uh, confusing with that. Um, but I did love the belly, the, the, the pancake and the belly flop that, that they introduced in this game. It was fantastic. Um, there are some parts of the game that have way too many enemies at once. That's kind of a Mario 2 problem. Um, but I think that, you know, this is Sony's Mario. I mean, okay, fair enough. They've only just released the fourth installment of it. But at the same time, they've released, you know... What what are the games? They crash fighting, crash team racing. You know, they kind of went down the Mario route where they 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 tried to throw everything they could at the wall and, and see what stuck. You know, CTR is a great game. You know, just just stuff like that, that they did. Um, and because it was a well, 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 well 
received game series, it received an upgrade. The original three games, Crash 1, 2, and 3, uh, got remodeled, re- remodeled, <laughs> remastered, remodeled. I actually wrote remodeled instead of remastered. Oh, well. Anyway, they got remastered back in 2017. Uh, critics went through the roof for it because they thought it was a really, really great game. And what they did is that they increased the difficulty. So let's say that this is our normal difficulty. They cranked it up to expert difficulty, should we say, our hard difficulty for the remake. You know, because a lot of people thought, man, this is, you know, maybe it's it's the uh, the new technology. But, man, I, f- I find this game harder to play with. And they said, no, it is harder. We didn't just want to release the same game at the same difficulty. We want to give you more of a challenge and, and worth buying it. Because it's not just, you know, better graphics and different challenges. We're actually going to make the game just a little bit harder. More than what you remember. And, you know, also uh, in twenty uh, in October 2020, last month, they released the new game, Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Now, of course, it's a ha-ha-ha-ha, funny-funny-funny. It's about time. They're releasing their first game in 14 years, or the game actually deals with time travel. It's about time. Ha 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 ha. I'm going to nitpick this one real quickly, because it should not be Crash 4, it should be Crash 5. There was a fourth game released on PlayStation 2. Now, I know everybody wants to forget about that one, who's a big fan of the series, but yeah, it's about, yeah, it's about time it should be Crash 5, not Crash 4. And if you don't, wanna, if you don't agree with me, I'll put the uh, information in the description below, because... There was a fourth Crash game made that was on the PS2. In fact, yeah, I just looked it up. Yeah, this should be Crash Bandicoot. It's about time. Should be Crash Bandicoot Five. It's about time because people seem to forget that Crash Bandicoot Four should be the Wrath of Cortex. So yeah, I I don't know, man. I I don't understand why why they did that. But I mean, you know. But then again, Wrath of Cortex wasn't a good game. So uh, <laughs> they made they made it with um playstation one technology for the ps2 i guess but yeah that's that's pretty much it you know that that's 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 my opinion uh, i haven't played it's about tom uh just yet but i am looking forward to doing so here in the future uh maybe you know maybe maybe not so that's all i that's all i have on crash bandicoot 2 i'll crash bandicoot yeah it is crash bandicoot 2 that i'm talking about anyway uh <laughs> that's all i have on crash bandicoot 2 um we're gonna be back here in just a few moments where i talk to an expert in uh video games as i mentioned it's my uh, 14 year old and uh, he's gonna tell me all about what he thinks crash bandicoot 2 and what we do from here so yeah i'll get to that here in just a second let's listen to some music briefly Right, so we're nearly done here. Um, like I said, it's been a long time since I've had to do one of these things by myself, and I remember, man, why I started bringing guests on. <laughs> so, why did I do this one by myself? Well, there are a couple of reasons for that, and I figured I'd give them to you right now. You see, when I put the season together, I wanted to cover. Th- Actually, I wanted. To, I wanted to cover this game for like the last couple of seasons, but this is probably the best time to do it. And so. I threw it out there. I went, hey, Greg, do you know anything about Crash Bandicoot 2? And he went, no, dude, don't. Okay. Yo, super weird guys, Ben, Dexter, do you guys know anything about Crash Bandicoot 2? And they both said, no, sorry, dude, no, nothing about it. So I'm getting panicked here, you know? So I turned to Sarah. I say, Sarah, can you do this with me? And she goes, no, I can't do it with you, but I might know somebody who could. So I said, who? 
And then she pointed out that I have actually had a guest on before that talked about 90s video games with me. That I didn't ask. So, you may remember this guy as sounding something like this. My favorite power-up was actually the peeling. Uh, my son, finally on board, 14 years old, giving his second opinion on something that... Yeah, 90s video game. How you doing, kid? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. So... I'm basically going to ask him a bunch of questions, like we did last time, and he's going to give us a bunch of answers, like he did last time, and then we're going to talk about what we think of the game and everything, okay? So, first things first, you played this game a lot, what do you think of the game? I thought it was pretty good, but in my opinion, it's my least favorite of the trilogy, because the completionist aspect is not, I'm not really a big fan of it, and... It took me the hardest to get through it after playing one and three. I admittedly played them out of order. Because... Oh, that's the problem with that. Well, plus you played the remake of it, right? You, you, the first time you played this game was the remake of it, correct? Yeah, and that that's true. Okay, so it's kind of like playing uh, Super Mario three, playing the All Stars version as opposed to playing the original version. You could say that. Okay, okay. So you, but now for the record, you own a PlayStation two that you spent that you bought with your own money. High five on that one. And you've been playing my old PlayStation games that I've gotten here. So you've been playing Crash 2 a little bit lately when I asked you to come on here. What do you think of the original game? Forget the remake for a minute. What do you think of the original game? I actually think it's better than the remake because okay. the controls are actually pretty smooth on not hindering you the first time around. And I don't, I don't know why I just find it to be feeling more modern than the remake ironically yeah i mean because you gotta understand the the remake is using older mechanics if that makes sense and old older gameplays right so older styles should we say right mm -hmm. so the original was the first game to use that style so it seems smoother than a remake because in the remake we've had so many different styles since then that it's going to appear clunky yeah kind of yeah that's true okay so you know um so you've played, you've completed this game. You've completed the whole game. You've got all the crystals, all the gems. What was your favorite level? Um, I don't really have a favorite level, but I think it was one of the levels in the last warp room that okay. was pretty good. It, it had to deal with the enemies with the electric ball and the crushers. Oh, yeah, I hate those things. Yeah, I know which ones you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Those, are, I think they're called dynamo levels. I think they were called. Mm. And, you know, in that theme, what level did you not like? Digging it. <laughs> yeah, my favorite level is a level I don't, I can't quite remember the name. What's your least favorite? Digging it without missing a beat. I hate those levels too. Those are the ones with the bees and stuff in, right? Yeah, the bees suck. <laughs> oh man, I love this kid. So you mentioned mechanics earlier. Do you think it's like an easy game to control? Maybe not an easy game to play, but definitely an easy game to to handle. Uh, yeah, it is pretty easy to control. As, as compared to other games of that era. I mean, you don't know other games... Okay, so let's go to the remake for a minute. Modern games that you play now, is this comparable to, like, easy to control of some of the games that you've played? Like, I know you've played Metal Gear Solid a lot, so is that comparable to, you know, the controls being easy and stuff like that? Uh, yes. I think that could be comparable. Could be comparable in what way? Well, um, na nowadays, controls are really complicated. It's like... One button might have several functions. Others, you know, might have one function yeah. that's useless. With Crash, it's really simple nowadays. Like, 
Metal Gear Solid 5 has really complicated controls on consoles, but on PC it's really easy, but on consoles you do have to get used to it, but once you do, it feels nice, but it's nice having a game with very simple mechanics. Cool. Cool beans, yeah, because that, that's one of the things that made, I think was was good about Crash 2. The mechanics were very, very more fluid than the original, but they built a new engine, you know, as I mentioned earlier, they built a new engine. So, you've played the game, what do you think of the boss fights in between levels? They were really easy and kind of pathetic, especially the last one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the the final boss of the game is probably the easiest boss in the whole series. Yes. I, before I played it, I saw it on a video, and I thought, hey, maybe this is the first phase. Nope, that's how it ends. Like, you literally just spin him three times, that's it. Yeah, they... they he doesn't even attack you. Yeah, they kind of dropped the ball on that one, didn't they? Just completely nutly. Yes. So, they've got 11 different level types, as I mentioned in the first part. What type of level do you like you know do you like the original jungle levels do you like the ruin levels do you like the snow levels uh the jungle levels are the best so the original type jungle levels yes yeah what what, what why do you think that well because the others either you know they have like the jungle like the ruins ones they're like heavily on 2d and stuff yeah you might have a few sections 3d but like they're 2d and, like, the pillars are a little clunky first round, but that's nothing a little practice can't fix. Yeah. And the snow levels, the ice physics, I, I really wanted to like them, but the ice physics, they're not really that great, especially in Cold Hard Crash. Yeah, um, but then again, you got to understand that this was the first time a lot of games had those ice mechanics. So they were working blind, so to speak. I mean, you know, they they didn't have they didn't have the benefit of looking at other games to do their ice mechanics. I mean, I think the only one that I knew had ice mechanics at the time was the Mario series. But that was in two D, not three D. True. So. so three, you know, so three D ice mechanics. It's a new new thing at the time. Um, what do you think of you know? What do you think of the actual game itself? Like you know, the the, the background of the game, the story of the game, the idea the idea behind the game. I think the story is a massive waste potential because yep. they try to play it as Cortex being a good guy, but they kind of hampered it with the cutscene, yeah. showing him think showing him like about to full crash, and the title kind of spoiled it. I, I I think that was necessary though. I think we the people knew that there was something up, and also we knew not to trust Cortex as as a character. I think that you know th- that was better than the reveal of. Surprise, I'm the bad guy. More along the lines of, yeah, we know there's an ulterior motive, but let's see where we're going with this. Yeah? Kind of makes sense? Yeah, but, like, they try to play it off as he's a good guy, and they're trying to spill the secrets, but it it makes the characters look more dumb than the players. Because True. we know what's going on, but they don't. So it's very frustrating to hear them say those lines that yeah, Cortex might... It's very frustrating. But then again, you know, who would have thought that a, that an anthropomorphic bandicoot would be uh, smarter than a guy who built his own space station for a start? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I can kind of commemorate it for trying, like, one of the first 3D games to have a plot twist, but... It didn't it, have a plot twist. But, like, <laughs> the way that they tried to do it was um, not good at all. So, you've played the uh, the trilogy, right? You've played the, the remake. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think of the, the trilogy as a, as a whole? Uh, I think the Crash trilogy is really fun, and, um, you know, if if you haven't played it, I think you should get the remakes, despite the fact that the originals, in my opinion, are a little better. But if you really want to go into 
if you really want to play the originals, you can get a PS2 very easily and game in the games for like three dollars. It's really easy to play the originals and the remix, but you go with either or. It doesn't really matter. You'll enjoy it either way. Cool, cool. That, yeah, that, that is good. Which is the best of the three games? Do you think? Because I mean, you you played all three of them, and the remakes are going to be made in the same style as the original, so to speak. So with just like maybe a little bit more difficulty and better mechanics, but they're essentially the same game. So which which of the three do you like the best? Uh, Warped. Warped is the best. Crash Bandicoot three. Yeah, Warped is. Why? Well, because you know the levels are r- ridiculously fun. The power yeah. ups you get after the bosses are really cool, and the bosses are actually not pathetic. The final one, I even have trouble to it this day. But I still have a lot of fun with it. The, the challenge is more challenging, I guess. What you're trying to yeah. say. Yeah. Okay. That that kind of makes sense. That, that that makes a lot of sense. Okay. I got a couple more questions for you before we head on out. Um, you said it's a really really good game. If you had to give Crash Bandicoot two a rating out of ten, the original, not the remake, as a standalone game, just by itself, what would you give it out of ten? Seven. Seven. Okay. Solid seven or, or iffy seven. Solid. Okay. Seven. Seven and a half. Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah. That kind of makes sense. I mean, I give it an eight. Because the boss fights were pretty pretty bad, yeah, and um, the story was a little bit haphazardly put together. So let me ask you one more thing, right? And this is gonna be the last question I ask you because this is a very very bone of contention. Why are they calling Crash F- Five Crash Four? What What do you mean by okay? That? Crash Bandicoot has released a lot of games, right? A lot of games the series has. Oh, but yeah. they've released five te- these three D platformers now. Crash oh. Bandicoot, Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex Strikes Back, Crash Bandicoot 3, Warped, and Crash Bandicoot... The Wrath of Cortex? The Wrath of Cortex. You could that was originally called Crash 4, so why are they calling Crash 5, Crash 4, it's about time? Well, actually, it's Crash 6, because there was another one, Twin Sanity. No, that was more of a... Open that, world one? Kind of. It was more of a um, Streets of Rage type deal, hack and slash, and... Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, so technically, it's about time should be Crash 5, not Crash 4. I think the reason why they called it Crash 4 is they're trying to start clean slate because right when Naughty Dog left, the series has been on a downward spiral with varying yeah. degrees of quality. So I think it's a wise decision to just forget about all that. Yeah, Wrath of Cortex absolutely sucked. It was terrible. It was I, dreadful. I, I never played it before, but people... Well, did you like the soundtrack? Yeah, the soundtrack was good. I think what they were trying to do was trying to do their own version of Donkey Kong. Well, I mean, I think you do have to kind of give them credit. They were only given one year to make it, so... Well, I understand that, but at the same time, they made Oddworld uh, Exodus in Mm. seven months. That was three times the game of Odyssey, which took them 12 months to make. So, I mean, in, in, what, 12 plus 7? In 19 months, uh, Oddworld Inhabitants released two games. I don't know, but that was on the PlayStation because, like, they already had a firm understanding how it is, but the PS2 True. was just released, so they're still trying to get used to it. So it was a generational thing. Yeah, that's probably why it didn't work out. Okay, well, that kind of makes sense. All right, so that really is it for what we've got in terms of Crash Bandicoot. Now, I'm going to keep this this little knucklehead on retainer real quick because... Um, because, I mean, we do have some games coming up next season that, uh, you know, I might see about pulling them in for Zelda. A Link to the Past. Mm. Yeah, that's... Uh, and, of course, we've got a game that I'm that, I, that I'm going to have Sarah on, so I might get you to voice your opinion on that one. That's a game that you guys play. 
Well, the remake on Switch, which is... Well, act- it's the same game. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so we've got some stuff that we're going to get this knucklehead in in the future. So, uh, you know, I, I know I promised that last time. But the games I've reviewed since then, I don't think you've played that much. You haven't played Oddworld that much. You hadn't played mm. uh, NBA Jam and Mortal Kombat... Not Mortal Kombat, and Street Fighter and Tekken and... Yeah. Yeah, so this is a game that you've played a lot. All right, so that's the kid. That's our, that's that's his opinion on it. 7 out of 10 game. Not as good, not not the best out of the three, and Crash Bandicoot Four should be called Crash Bandicoot Five. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna be back here. Here's some more music for you, and then I'm gonna go ahead and round out what we've got coming up over the next couple of weeks. All right. All right. Passage of time goes the way you expect it to, and when things change, they change very gradually, and you don't realize how much things have changed. And there really, really is something heartening about listening to your 10-year-old son versus your 13-year-old son give opinions about video games and just how much things have changed. So that shocked me a little bit. I didn't realize how deep his voice had become since then, but... um. You know, I might do this more often. It was fun. It was a lot of fun, even though he has um, mic fear at the beginning of everything. But hey, I did too. We all did too. So once again, thanks for the kid for coming on. And hopefully I don't have to do another solo episode in a long, long time because, yeah, I remember how bad those things could be if you weren't prepared. It's just me droning on, I guess you could say. But that is that for right now. So, um, as you can tell, yesterday I finished the uh, Oddworld series. Our new Oddworld series doesn't debut until mid-January or early January or sometime January 2021. Um, As I mentioned, I'm probably going to get started on that uh, first week of December, just trying to get some stuff ready to drop and everything like that. And yeah, the Oddworld series is halfway over and I'm looking forward to doing the other half. But in the meantime, if you haven't seen any of our Oddworld series, check out our YouTube channel. And also, on our YouTube channel next week, we're going to be doing our Mustache and Mullet charity live stream. That's right, well, that's where I take FIFA, that's where I play, excuse me, FIFA 98, the Road to World Cup, and to try and take Wales all the way from the qualifiers, all the way to the World Cup final. We're doing this as a charity live stream with all of the proceeds going to the Movember Foundation. And of course, if you watched the uh, game yesterday, you saw I played with a mask. I'm going to be taking the mask off. You'll be able to see the wonderful push broom as well as the hairstyle that I'm going to don for the remainder of the year. And we're going to be doing that, obviously, to raise as much money as we can for charity. Uh, the reason that uh, we picked Movember, the Movember Foundation, is not just because we grow the cool facial hair and, grow, and in our case, the uh, the even cooler hair hair. Um, it's a charity that does uh, men's mental health, as I mentioned before, and does uh, awareness for men's cancer. And, you know, I've said this before and I'll say this again. If you are not feeling okay, it is okay to not feel okay. And you need to reach out to someone. 
reach out to someone. Again, my uh, email address for the podcast is in the description below. And if you need to talk, I'm here. Um, or, you know, if you just feel like you just need to reach out, just go ahead and reach out, okay? Also, you know, guys, you gotta check the boys out every now and then. You have to check the boys out. Because if you don't, problems could be around the corner, okay? So, next week, next Saturday after thanksgiving so i'm still gonna be turkeyed out at this point we're gonna go ahead and have a little bit of fun but the money that we raise is for a very very serious thing so if you need to talk to someone talk to someone and if you don't check out the lads all the time you might save your life okay so a little bit of happiness next week i'm gonna be joined by greg gregory as we talk about ben folds five their debut album which is also called Ben Folds 5. Uh, <laughs> no, this this is going to be a it's going to be a weird episode because of the fact that the album is obscure. Um it, I think it's sold less than 50,000 copies and not a lot of people have listened to it. But I think it's important because of what it led to. Okay, so that's why we're going to go ahead and look at it and plus this is one of my favorite albums, this is one of his favorite albums and we kind of explain why it is in that recording, okay? And that's pretty much it. So, you know, if you're online, check us out, becausemovienetwork.com. Check out our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. That's where you'll find all of our social media stuff. And, of course, if this isn't where you usually listen to podcasts, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, and Podchaser. And with that in mind, everybody have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. May your turkey be moist, and Grandma not describe it that way. See you soon. My favorite power-up was actually the peeling.